What's happening, guys? Welcome back to Retire to Hunt. So I'm sitting here. You know what? Actually, let's title this Retire to Hunt X Gladiators Unleashed, man, because I'm very, very appreciative of my buddy Luke Cardillo, man, of uh, Gladiators Unleashed for letting me use the set. And they got three good guys here with a hell of a product, man. Uh, I actually met these guys earlier uh, at, I think it was called Western Hunt Fest. Yeah, it was Western Hunt Fest uh, down in American Bowman. And uh, these guys are super cool. They got a super cool product. So we're going to talk some hunting. We're going to talk about the product. But first, let's talk some hunting, man. I know I know we all are hunt lovers. So let's go ahead and talk about how the season's been going, man. We'll start with D'Angelo. D'Angelo, how the hell you doing, man? Doing well. Doing good, man. It's good to be here. Um, appreciate you having us on. Uh, appreciate Luke for letting us use the studio. Um, the season, um, it was a, a doozy for, for myself. Um, got out archery. I did mostly just, I did just archery this year. Over the counter? Uh, yes. Over the counter. Yep. had a cow tag. Was meant to go out, um, for a rifle bull tag, but, um, too many extracurriculars going on. We just got a, um, got a project going on with the family. So wasn't able to get out with the rifle, but archery, um, me, Matt, Steve, we get out and get after it. Um, had some opportunities, but just couldn't bring an animal down. Um, yeah, that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> how many, uh, how many days did you happen to get out this year? I got out in the field, um, mostly re- weekend warriors. So probably it'd be like Friday through Sunday, um, probably eight to nine days, eight to nine days yeah, in September. Shit, that's better than a lot of people for sure. Yeah. For sure. That's mm-hmm. what's up. Any close encounters? Absolutely, absolutely had you know tons of close encounters. You know, opening weekend, um, had a bunch of bulls and cows mewing and bulls you know bugling all around us. We were you know right up against you know uh, some private on you know, easy, some BLM easy <laughs> <laughs> on some BLM yeah. and um, and hunting some real thick stuff. Just couldn't you know get couldn't find you know shooting lanes in that situation. And then was out with Steve probably middle of the season and actually called a cow in twice and I just wet the bed. You know, no, I can't, you know, I can't say anything more than that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That shit definitely happens. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that you, you know, you were hearing the bugles and the cows mewing and stuff opening the weekend, right? Correct. It's funny to me, man, because I hear a lot of people, you know, especially old timers. Oh man, it ain't worth it to get in there until five days before the 15th and five days after the 15th. You know, it's not even worth it. They're on there some. Listen, man, I've I've been in the woods, and, you know, it's been opening day. Between opening day and the 6th, 7th, 8th, there's usually some of my best hunting, man, as far as hearing stuff, seeing stuff. I don't know if that's because they're still, you know, it's new. Hunting is new for them for that particular season. You know what I mean? Like, it's still pretty early or what. But, I mean, I've heard plenty of elk bugles, you know what I mean, early on in the season, so I don't really understand. What, what do you think about that? No, I, I agree for sure. Um, super vocal in the beginning of the season. Then you get the Doug Fluties out there. And um, those elk become they they learn real quick, and they just go quiet. Um, we did have an an encounter on that you know that piece of land that we said we go on to um, in the beginning of the season, but it was actually towards the end, and they were actually back there just fired up, but they were just on that on that corner of that piece of private, and they would just they would just hit a corner of public, and man, they know they know yes they know. Um, but for the most part, they're quiet. They're quiet in the middle of the season, which you know I actually like that. It's you get you got to get eyes on them. You got to you know, change up tactics. Drop into that you know steep that steep dark timber. Put in the work. Mm-hmm. Put for in sure. the work. Exactly. I know for me, uh, 
I hunted a bunch of public land, and uh, one thing I noticed this year kind of stood out to me. So it was the middle of the day, and I come up on these elk, probably 20 or 30 head, and I just caught an ear flicker. And I'm like, all right, cool, there's some elk up there. And I'm like 80 yards away. I got a marginal wind. It's okay. It's not great, but I can't move from where I'm at or else I'm toast unless I back out. My only option, my point is, my only options are just stand there or back out. If I keep going, I, I'm done from the wind. But my point is, is I watched these elk for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes just trying to see if – the particular bull I saw was the biggest bull in there because I didn't think it was. Um, so I'm watching. It's mainly cows and a really, really raggy bull. But the the bugle I heard, and don't get me wrong, I understand that you can't tell exactly what kind of bull it is by the bugle. But he had a deep, gurgly, and I'm like, this ain't that bull I'm looking at. That ain't him. Well, sure enough, after about 20, 30 minutes, I see a nice six. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I figured. So apparently, he probably stood up and stretched, and I saw him. But anyway. My story about, you know, hunting the public is those elk never made a sound. Like, I watched them from 80 yards away, and there's 20, 30 head, and they didn't make a sound. Now, me, personally, I'm a te- that's a testament to the public land and the pressure because I feel like if we're on a, pub, a private piece, I think those elk are going to be more elky. You know, the, the you know the calves are maybe be mewing and running around and playing and stuff like that. But everything was on alert, man. There was a couple couple cows bedded down, but for the most part, everything was feeding. And, you know, they would chew a couple times and look around, chew a couple times and look around. They were just super, super on edge. And I've never hunted elk on private land, so I don't know for sure that, that they would be any different on private. But, you know, from the videos and, and from, you know, people just telling me how it is on private, you know, it's, it's a little uh, – it's a little easier to to hear elk, you know, being on the private land. But uh, Matt, what about you, man? How's your season been going? Well, like D'Angelo said, was uh, was along for the ride with uh, with Steve and, and him. So, um, you know, I took a took an L as well. Although I didn't get out in the season uh, as many days, unfortunately. And then uh, I had a deer tag. Uh, third season rifle and it was a draw unit and I drew it somehow with no preference points. So it was kind of a, 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 a big get. There's not many, uh, there's not many over, excuse me, mule deer tags that you can get with zero points. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that you did that. And, uh, about two weeks before that hunt, uh, my truck was broken into and probably half my hunting gear was stolen. And so, uh, but I feel you know. like you got to give context about your your luck with. Uh... Yeah, so that wasn't the first break-in <laughs> at the house this season either. So August, the garage was broken into, and hunting stuff was stolen along with a bunch of other stuff. And so I got that replaced just in time for September. Then October, truck was broken into, and the, the shitty part about it was – I had moved a bunch of my hunting stuff out of the garage because that wasn't safe any longer. And I put it in my truck and locked my truck up because I figured it was better there. So my shit was just on a platter, like all packed into a bag. You know what I mean? Like Like everything was in a bag. Everything was organized. Everything was ready to rock. Uh, And so whatever dirty motherfucker came through, just all he had to do was two hands, grab that shit and go. So long story long, I had to turn that tag in, unfortunately. Ooh. So I couldn't get insurance to to get it all sorted out in time. So I I think I called or FaceTimed D'Angelo as, as I was doing it and you know, in defeat 
and uh, turn that back into CPW. So I didn't get to do that, and those were the two tags I had for the season. Yeah. It's an area where we pulled monsters out of, too. Like, Oh, yeah. We, we call it Rainbow's Inn because there's always a pot of gold. <laughs> like, you kill that many big bucks in there. So y'all were looking forward to this hunt yeah. for months. Mm-hmm. I mean – like, we didn't draw the tag, me or D, and, and we were ready to roll. And I've been trying to get the tag on that preview list, and he told me he was going to turn it in. I was like, well, I'll try to get it, but that preview list is my nemesis right now. Oh, you're talking about the uh, the, the reissue list. The leftovers yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, P- hey, the, the secret's out about that, oh, man. Absolutely. Like, like, if you're not in there right at, what is it, nine, nine mountain time? Ten. Uh, ten. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not already logging in at, you know, 45 after, I mean, good luck. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they all speaking of, of the reissue tags, man. Um, I know y'all have heard about this, but Nevada's a hell of a place to go kill pretty much everything, right? Elk, mule deer is pretty pretty cool, but they're not very liberal on their tag allocation and shit like that, right? Uh they say there's some pretty good opportunities there, um, in the reissue, which which I think that's that kind of strikes my interest because Nevada's a state cause I'm a kind of a conqueror. I like killing new shit in different places. Um, like for instance, I used to be big on on ducks. I still am, but not like I used to be. Uh I'm talking about so when we played ball, I never went to the Super Bowl. Now twice I came with, you know, I went to an AFC championship game once and the NFC championship. Actually, AFC twice and the NFC championship game once. My point is, is that's late January, right, before we get before we're out of there. Um, so I still got a little bit of time to hunt ducks, you know what I mean? So I'd always go somewhere after the season. And, uh, man, I don't know, man. I know my last year when I retired, so 2000, 2018, like, I just knew I was done. Like, I just – after the season, I couldn't stand the thought of going to another meeting. Y'all y'all been in the meetings. Y'all know what's up. So, <laughs> it's like, you know, I just – the thought of it, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm really good on this ball stuff. So, anyway, my point in saying that is when I left from Jacksonville in 2018, I left with all my belongings. Like, the rental house was completely bare. Everything was gone. Like, my life had to move to here. So, we bought a house a couple months before I retired out here and uh so I left from there Kendall had already um she was already at the house I had to stay for exit meetings so on and so forth so I leave but I was like I told my buddy crawdaddy uh play with him at Green Bay I was like hey let's meet up in Stuttgart Arkansas and shoot ducks on the way back and I'm talking about my truck bed is full to the top of the cab it looked like Beverly Hillbillies like packed up to the top of the cab wrapped around and I'm pulling my boat and it's like a 31 hour drive and uh so we get to Stuttgart and it's like I don't know it probably took like 17 to get there or something Get an Airbnb. It was incredible. The Airbnb, literally, there it backs up to the agricultural field. I can't remember if it was, like, cut milo, if it was corn or wheat, whatever it was. But there was a feed of, like, 10,000 behind it. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like, that's that was the second time I'd been to Arkansas. But, you know, it had been so long since I'd been there, it was, like, brand new, right? So, I'm like, this is insane. Like, don't get me wrong. We can get that here out east. You know, you can see those big feeds and stuff like that. But Arkansas, man, it's different. Mm-hmm. So, we're at the Airbnb, and I'm talking to Crawl, and I'm like, hey, we got to call the owner and see what's up with this. So we track him down, and uh, sure enough, he's like, yeah, man, I already know why you're calling me. <laughs> he's like, he's like, that stuff's all leased up behind our place. I'm like, yeah, I figured, man, that shit looks juicy, man. Uh, so we weren't able to to uh, to hunt that. But we ended up, I don't know how I went on this tangent, this duck this duck hunting story, but we went uh, public, just public land pounding, right, hunting the, the flooded timber, which was cool as shit because – Again, like, we're all DIY guys who like to do it ourselves. Uh, like, going out there and just the planning of having all the gear, finding the launch, knowing when that launch is open. Uh, there's also other rules in Arkansas. You got to be out of some of those green tree reservoirs at noon, which is kind of crazy. Like, damn, like, I'm coming over here out of state, by the lights and so on and so forth. But I get it. It's for the ducks, right? So, anyway, we put into the canal. We ride the canal. 
and uh, you find a spot to pull over, and you pull over, and then you start walking through the trees, and you're just holding all your shit, and you're just dragging it, walking through the trees, like, waist deep, waist deep on me, like, it's deep, and uh, walking through, and, you know, in the summertime, that's all dry ground, there's deer in there and all that stuff, my point is, there's a bunch of trees, so you gotta drag every step, because you never know when you're about to fall in a giant crater, whatever it may be, they've got gators, uh, you know, it's two in the morning, right? Cause you know how it is on public. If <laughs> early bird gets the worm. So you got to be in there super early, but we didn't do very good on that hunt as far as kill numbers, man. But as y'all know, like, like y'all, when y'all were unsuccessful this year, elk hunting, I'm sure there was some great times had, uh, just being out there trying to do it yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Aren't those the 24 seven hunt guys? They're out of Arkansas, right? Uh, not, so they live in Georgia. They're from Georgia, okay. but I don't know if they got up there or they just go to Arkansas a lot. Uh, but hey, they lay them down. Uh, I'm I'm glad to watch their growth because I hit up Raynar. I talked to him like when they first was you know getting like two thousand views on YouTube, or whatever, something like that. And uh, I hit him up. I'm like, hey, like I like what y'all boys got going on. This is cool to see. You know what I'm saying? Blah blah blah. But now you know people probably invite. They're in Wyoming right now, I think. You know, so they're you know they're getting invited, and it's just cool to see that shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, Arkansas was a super super cool trip. Uh. Again, not many birds as far as killing, but you see so many ducks every day. It's incredible. Like, But, again, you know, when I go out there, it's late January, so that's the end of the second split. Them birds have been cracked at all year, so, I mean, they, it's almost like you're damned if you do as far as your presentation and your spread. It's like, I know me, I'm a perfectionist. Like, if I've only got, say, three, four dozen decoys out there and the birds are acting weird, I'm like, damn, do we need to put more? Or, you know, I'm always trying to change something because I feel like when I come, when the birds come in – and they don't commit. There's something I can do better, you know what I mean, or different at least. Uh, so I'm always changing stuff. But anyway, in a nutshell, the Arkansas shit was awesome. Uh, yeah, we just got to talking about DIY. But Steve, man, so you kind of the same boat, just had that had that nice elk hunt that uh, ended up with tag soup, huh? Yep, exactly. We uh, we went out the last three days just after work, just, you know, hauled up the mountain, got out there, and uh, we had a couple encounters. We had like a bull at – 60 something yards but just thick trees no shot yeah. whatsoever uh and then we're you know we pass him slowly working through all this super dark timber and uh you know i spot all the animals all the time and so <laughs> i see uh i see all these cows and these bulls laying down up on the hillside the sun's already coming down so they're in the shaded part still laying down and uh we have a perfect like v of pine trees that are leading up to it and probably would have put us 40 yards away. So three of us kind of spread out, like, thinking we could probably all three get shots off. And uh, creeping up there, creeping up there, creeping up there. And then all of a sudden we see um, we see the cow just, like, whip her head to the side, looking back, like, over her shoulder. Oof. And we look up, and the sun is hitting the top of the mountain. And there's a dude standing on top, coming up over the ridge, just sun on him. No clue. Yeah. No, no clue, clue that, that there were there were animals right underneath him. No clue there was anything going on. We ended up talking to him maybe twenty minutes later. He kind of came to where we were. Dude reeks of cigarettes. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, what? What are the chances this motherfucker walks over this ridge smelling like sticks at this exact moment? Yeah, it, it was one of those ones where you just like drop to your knees, like just devastated. Like, Holy it was all set up. Shit, <laughs> it was brutal. How far back in were you? A couple mile hike from where we parked, and where we parked was 
just up a couple mile road. So I don't know. However, that works out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like an old Jeep trail. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, then you just pull off and then yeah, you got to hike through like a little bit of marsh and it's all kind of interesting territory or, or terrain, I should say, until you get to that spot. And then we got that spot and we're like, this boss dope. And then we see these animals and we're like, this is dope. And then we're like, we've got trees in between us. The wind's in our direction. We got everything is lining up. You know, we got an hour and a half, probably a shooting light left. So we're not worried about time necessarily. And then it all went to shit. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. And, that's, and that was, by the way, that was the last day of the season. Oh, man. <clears throat> and that's to me like. So last episode, I had a, a public land, private land debate with some of my boys. And uh, to me, the biggest thing that makes public land the hardest um, is the uncontrollable variables, usually being the people, right? Like, you know, on, on private, you know, y'all probably kill that that elk, right? Because nobody's going to be in there. Uh, but, yeah, to me, that, and obviously, you know, having to get up and all that shit. But, like, to me, it's the uncontrollable variables about the public that makes that shit so hard. Yeah, we, we – uh went to uh, South Dakota like a couple weeks ago. Uh, their archery season runs like a, almost like a private land tag here in Colorado. So you can go and hunt the rut in South Dakota and it's mule deer, whitetail, any sex, any species with your tag. And there is awesome because the private land, if it's not posted, you can hunt it. And they have to post it like certain distances. So, so South Dakota does that too. I know mm-hmm. North Dakota duck hunting. I knew that was how that was, but that's pretty cool. It's the most fun that you can have just to <sighs> fling arrows and get out there. Real quick, uh, man, I went out to uh, – God, I don't want to be too specific, but I was in uh, South Dakota around the Mount Rushmore area around there. That's and why, um, That's why I left it at South Dakota. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, uh, man, I was out there turkey hunting this spring, man. The deer numbers – I'm a whitetail guy. That's what I so I started on. I have never seen anything like that. That's ridiculous. I've man. never <laughs> seen anything like that. Like I, honestly, the amount of deer that I saw in the seven or ten days I spent there over the course of two separate hunts probably equaled or surpassed all of the deer I've ever seen combined. Like it was incredible. And it's a shit ton of deer up here. Yeah, I, that's. <laughs> I know, man. It was incredible. So now throughout. Uh, Actually, first of all, let's talk a little more about that South Dakota deer. That's all. There's no OTC in South Dakota for deer, right? Nope. You just put in for the draw. Like, so you get the archery tag no matter what as a non-resident. You have to go into their application with it. Um, but you, it takes about, I think, two or three years of preference points to draw the rifle tag. Okay. Okay. But is, is it a statewide tag or what? No, it's broken up. I think South Dakota has four different areas that they do. Okay. Uh, that's, that's not yeah. bad, though. Now, with your tag, is that uh, any deer or, you know, is it you nope. have to go whitetail or mule deer? No, any, that's what it's – Any deer. That's, either any, sex, either too. sex, too. Ooh, that's just like – so I've got a uh, muzzleloader tag that's running right now in Nebraska. Like, Nebraska, I was telling you about D'Angelo. Uh, it's, it's any deer. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that, man. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Now, did y'all have any uh, – I got to talking to the boys about this last episode, man. Any uh, life and death encounters this year? Life and death scenarios in the woods. I don't think we did this year. No, I don't think I had to carry D out. <laughs> <laughs> man, I had a I had some cool shit happen to me. Man, it wasn't. Uh, I won't call it life and death, but I mean it very well could have been. So uh, 
I was spiked, excuse me, I was truck camping solo right off the road, man. And uh, I had went in and evening hunted for elk. And uh, I actually got on a bugle, went to chase it. Like I said, it was evening hunt. He was kind of naturally moving off. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to back out, and this will be my starting point for in the morning. You know what I mean? So went back to the uh, the tent, went to sleep, woke back up. I could hear something. I look at my phone. It's 2.06, and I hear raking. Like, it was distinct. Like, it was like it's raking right outside the tent. I'm like, dude, this is badass. Like, what the hell could this be? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oof, right in the middle of the rut, right in the middle of the moose rut. And I hear moose. I'm like, that's still pretty cool, though, right? So I hear him raking. You know, he's like maybe 60, 80 yards away from my tent. He's raking. I'm like, this is pretty cool. But then, so the way I'm oriented in my tent, I am in the, if you're walking in the tent, I'm in the bat right corner. So if I'm laying in my cot, you know, the door's right in front of me, and my left shoulder's against the tent. So over my left shoulder, I hear another one. Ugh. Uh, headed towards the other one, it was raking. I'm like, holy shit, there's two of them now. Like, what the hell? So lay there, lay there. My heart's starting to beat. I slowly grab my 10 millimeter out of the holster, and I just lay it on my chest. And I'm just laying there. I'm like, holy shit. And then from the right, the back right side, uh, uh, I hear another one coming into the mix. I'm like, this is not good. So the one that's raking sounds like a giant. Like his voice was all deep. He just sounded big. And uh, the one on the left started walking towards him, and I'm like, oh, man, this ain't good. And their their calls started getting more uh, aggressive and all that, and I'm like, whew. My biggest fear was that they just started fighting and they trampled me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm laying there with that pistol on my chest, and finally one starts getting closer. <laughs> Loud as hell. Then it got quiet. I'm like, damn, my heart's pounding. I'm like, do I need to yell at this thing or what? <laughs> like, he's right there. Like, I don't even know what the hell to do. So I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And all of a sudden, it was like the sound of rubbing your finger on, like, tent fabric. I just hear right above my shoulder where I'm laying. So I got the pistol in my right hand. I backhand that thing on the nose, and I'm pointing the pistol at him. Fuck you, Moose. Fuck you. (laughs) So he takes off running. I have never heard an animal run so far. Like, I heard twigs breaking for so far. That thing was, I mean, he was petrified, man. Slapped him right on top of the nose. Well, the one that was raking didn't move. He still, just a dog like just it didn't scare him at all so i'm like i gotta get this thing out of here so i got a lantern laying right beside the uh the cot i grab my lantern i don't even turn it on i grab it and i take the tin i start beating on top of it boom 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 fuck you moose boom 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 just started beating it and finally he took off i hear him running but man you know in my head i'm thinking i'm really about to have to dispatch this moose like what, what do I need to do? Like, do I need pictures? Like, I can't call nobody because I'm out of signal. Do I have inReach yet? But y'all know that's not instant messenger. No. So I'm like, man, what am I going to have to do? So uh, anyway, I end up uh, going hunting the next day. Don't find that bugle. Stay there for another day. Didn't hear another bugle. But uh, I've never had a moose encounter like that, man. That's only re- I-, I had to tell y'all about that, man, because uh, that shit blew my mind. I got, I got a good one for you. So the first the first year I took D hunting, we uh, – <laughs> We were sleeping in the back of the topper. And, uh, first time he's ever been out, like, experiencing. We're elk hunting, and uh, we're, we're in the back of the truck. It's probably the same thing, 2 in the morning. And uh, sleeping next to each other, and then, you know, we get one of these, like, uh, the whole truck just rocks Ooh. back and forth. I'm like, what is that? And he rolls over. He's like, is that you? I'm like, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's 2 a.m. What do you mean is that me? And uh, so we get up, put our headlamps on walk to the you know crawl to the back of the topper look out the window it's a little baby bear and he's uh we had the yeti chain to the back 
of the where the hitch is. Uh huh. And uh, you know, I'm like, all right, it's he's little D. Like, don't worry about it. Like, we're good. <laughs> and uh, so we lay back down again. Ten minutes goes by. He run, you know, he runs off. And then uh, same thing. The whole whole truck rocks, and I'm like, dude, he's, he's tiny. Like, he's trying to get into the Yeti. He's trying to pull it away. It's all locked up. He's not. He's not getting it. I'm out. Like, just. <laughs> snoring the rest of the night alarm goes off i wake up i'm like man i feel good like let's get after it i look over at d and looks like he's been on a bender for like <laughs> 72 hours he's like, uh, I was like i was like did you not go back to sleep he's like dude that bear <laughs> i was like oh man i felt bad he had the pistol same thing. He's yeah. like, ready to kill it i'm like a oh, little baby bear buddy like <laughs> we don't gotta worry about that we gotta worry when the mom's there with the baby <laughs> holy shit that's pretty damn good I had a, uh, speaking of bears, I had a little bit of an encounter, not a little, I had an encounter in turkey season, man. Uh, so I was walking into a spot I'd never been to. I scouted it just on Onyx. It was literally right down the road from my house. And I go to it, and I'm like, damn, I'm walking in. There's all these rocks and boulders. I'm like, this shit looks catty as all get out. I'm kind of getting nervous. I'm like, because I'm going to have to walk through it in the dark on the way back out. I'm like, man, this shit looks catty. So I go hunt. I actually got on the bird, ended up pushing it on the private, didn't work out. But uh, on the way back out, I got to go back through that shit. So it's about five minutes after shooting light when I get to this particular spot. And uh, I'm walking up. And every step, you know, it's like when you're in an area where you think something could happen, every noise you make, you're like, damn, what heard that? What heard that? So I'm stepping and looking, stepping and looking. And all of a sudden, I look in a cave. I'm like, man, I hope that ain't what it looks like. <laughs> Ten yards away. So I was walking right at the entrance of his cave. So he had to come out towards me to turn either way. So he runs out. I got a gobbler decoy. I drop it. And I'm like, fuck you, bear. Fuck you. And I drew down on him with the 12 gauge. So he runs out, goes to the right. I got a video of all this shit. And uh, so he climbed. I got the video when he climbed the tree. So he climbs the tree, and he's still, <laughs> like, growling, popping his gums. I'm like, holy shit, man. Anyway, I get the phone out. I film him. He climbs down. Worst part is, the way he left was the way I had to go. So he walked, like, up the private boundary. Like, right up the fence, you know what I mean? So I'm like, that's the way I've got to go unless I walk on these people's land. So the whole time, I just literally, when he started to take off, I started jogging because I didn't want him to get in front of me and, like, set up some kind of ambush or something. <laughs> so as soon as I saw him start walking, I caught up with him, and I'm just talking to him. Hey, I see you, motherfucker. Hey, hey, I'm still watching you, and we're just walking, like, 50 yards apart, just walking the same direction up this hill. And uh, we get to the top of the hill, and he drops off the backside and went his way. I went to the left and I went my way. But uh that was my first real, real deal by myself bear encounter, you know, that could have you know, if you don't if you don't know your shit and you just like freak out and run right there, I don't know what happens. Like I don't know what happens. Cause that that bear had a tag in his ear and apparently the system here is two strikes you're out. So if they got one, they catch it again, they give you another chance. They put another tag in the ear. They catch you with two, it's over with. So he had one, so he's done something. <laughs> trash panda. It's trash panda. <laughs> Yeah, he done something. Hey, let's go ahead and dive into the reason y'all are here, man. Let's talk Hunt Wallet, man. I've looked into it. The thing's pretty sweet, and we talked a little bit off air. I don't see many competitors you got, man. The shit's badass. Who came up with it and why? Matt. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the story behind it was um, I was sitting at home, you know, watching a Randy Newberg video. Um, he was hunting elk in uh, Arizona. And anybody that knows anything about elk hunting in Arizona, they got some monsters out there. Arizona does a good job of uh, managing those those elk. But anyways, 
on the video, man, he was on some big ass bulls, and I was like, man, I need to hunt in Arizona. And I kid you not, that night I got onto Arizona uh, fishing game, set up an account. Um, it was actually the day or two before the um, period ended for preference Applica- points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Applications. yeah. Um, so I got my application in, got a preference point, and um, this was what two or three years after I'd started hunting. So I, you know, got comfortable with Colorado and you know figuring out how things worked and all, and the, you know, the social security numbers and which is the hunt codes, um, figured out how that worked. And, um, I was like, man, well, how am I going to store all of this, this stuff, like logins, how many preference points I have, where I've applied to, um, when the dates are, uh, the due dates are for the applications and stuff like that. Um, and I went and looked up online to see if there was like any hunting application or anything in the space that helped you organize that stuff. And I didn't find anything, and the next best thing was spreadsheets, and I started doing spreadsheets, and yep. I was like, man, fuck this. There's got to be a better way, and probably a day after that or a week after that, I started doing some wireframes, and the rest is history. So it started out as um, a way to organize and track preference points, applications, and due dates and things like that, and then I approached Matt and Steve at um, at Steve's house. We were just you know meeting up, having dinner, chopping it up and asked them if they wanted to, you know, be a part of this. And from there, it kind of grew into this thing that now you can plan hunts with your buddies. You can keep track of all the gear that you have, um, that you may have in, like, your basement or your or your garage. Um, we've got the brochures for all 50 states. Which I think is super cool, too, because that way, you know, I'm sure you could probably download it to your phone, right? So yep. it's like now you got the rules and regs. Exactly. You can, you know what I mean, have it downloaded to your phone. If you got any question, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, you can look down at it. Exactly. Well, everybody's been in that situation where you're, where you're not sure. I'm in it every year at some point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's um, basically, where, you know, where it started. So that was, what, 2020, May of 2020. And um, now we are, we got a full-blown app. We got... We're on iOS, we're on Android, and we got a desktop. Um, we got a desktop version of the application, so um, we we are you know here supporting everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, and if anybody has has uh, ideas about going out and, and building an application software or something cool, I highly encourage it. But what I would tell you is, when your buddy comes in and says, "Do you want to do this?" and then gives you a dollar figure. Just triple that. <laughs> Straight up. Because <laughs> it was nowhere fucking close. And we were already, you know, you're already pregnant at that point. You get your first bit of money in there, and you start building, and then it's like, well, you just need a little bit more, a little bit more. Next thing you know, we I was talking, we were talking amongst each other maybe six months ago, and we were like, you know, we asked, we're like, if we knew what we were going to spend to this point at the beginning, would y'all have done it? And we kind of looked at each other like, Fuck, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, if I, if that number was there from the very beginning as opposed to just incrementally. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I'm saying do it, but also know that whatever you budget is nowhere fucking close. And bring on a technical co-founder. Period. Somebody who was in computer science in college and knows how to code. I was the kid laughing at those kids. 
Yeah. In college, and now they're laughing at me when they ask me to write that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like lawyers, too. Like, they charge that shit to the 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, how did y'all go about finding somebody that did that? Like, finding somebody to make that thing for you? It was a process. Um, we, shoot. Well, we hold up. You, you can't go into that. <laughs> you have to start with where we started. Oh, yes. Yes. Which please. is where <laughs> we thought that we could build it ourselves. So we thought we could use one of these like low code tools to build the app and just learn it on the fly. And that lasted like four and a half weeks. Oh shit. Quick. And it too was, long. It was yeah. what came out of that was laughable at best. <laughs> trash. 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 <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first night he was at our house. He was at my house and it was like eleven on that at night. He was like, This is this is fun. And I'm looking over my computer screen, just like, man, this is gonna be a long <laughs> but, but hey, look, we're all like I guess look, we're all we're all OTC public hunters. Like, maybe it's just like a it's a natural inclination to be like, yeah, I could do that. You know what I mean? But sometimes you got to you got to <laughs> recognize your limitations. Exactly. Yeah. And so after that, we basically, you know, looked online for development agencies and we um grabbed a handful of them, did like the little interviews and we found one that kind of tick the boxes for what we were looking for. Um, they got us to about 80% of the way, uh, uh, probably 75% of the way. And then it started to become apparent that um, we needed to find, you know, something something different to help get us across the finish line. Um, and a good buddy actually um, introduced us to the agency we're, at, we're with now. And we've been with them since May of last year. May of last year, and it's been been good ever since. But along the road, man, we've learned a, a ton. It helped that um, Steve's his family business. They had built an application um, for for their business, and then Matt had some experience with um, doing like some RFP stuff with uh, what he did previously in his in his real work. Okay, I mean that had to be good though, because uh, you said that. You know, the guy you went with, you had a buddy that had some experience with him, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they just knew each other. They oh, knew each other. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Gotcha. So would you say that's probably the hardest part of this whole thing has been just getting all that coordinated from the tech side of it? Or has it been coming up with what you're going to – the, the uh, what would you call it? The, uh, the body of the app, like the makeup of it. I feel like the makeup's been there is the I, – I, personally, I think it's the – getting it developed like the the first agency that d mentioned was overseas and there was a huge barrier just in hunting like understanding applications and tags and you know what what we were after just the language and what we were talking about right so there was like a there was actually like a language barrier what is the first company? Yeah, they spoke English, but it was <laughs> it was rough. Yeah, it was, yeah, rough, it was rough. For sure. I yeah, mean, there, there's a there was a, a there was a language barrier, and then to what I think what Steve's trying to say is like there was a vernacular barrier on top of that, sure. right? So like you, the four of us talk hunting, and we can go on for hours, and we'll say words that if just a, a layperson was listening to, they'd be like, "What are they talking about?" Right, right. And then you're trying to communicate that to somebody who already doesn't have a great grasp 
of the English language. Like prime example, method of take. You say mm. that and they just look at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, it's crazy. A lot of the other countries, man, um, I don't know a whole lot about, you know, it, but I know that we, you know, allow the most as far as, like, being able to hunt the public land, right? Oh, uh, I mean, it's there's nobody else no really doubt. close to America, right? Uh, I was talking to a guy. Uh, shout out to him. His name is, I think it's Kenneth Bartlett, man, and he's from uh, from the U.K. Uh, he's one of my listeners. Hit me up on IG, and uh, he was just telling me how restrictive it was, man, over there. Uh, I don't think you can use a bow for anything, like, as far as uh, hunt. I don't think you can use a bow for anything. And I think he said the only mammals you can hunt – uh, I don't want to butcher it, but anyway, it's nothing like here. It's nothing like here. There's some wing shooting opportunities, but there's not a whole whole lot as far as big game opportunities go over there. And I would imagine they don't have anywhere near the public land, if any, over there. Uh, because in it, uh, I was watching a stag hunt. So it was New Zealand, yeah. and I want to say the game belongs to the state instead of something like that. Like the animals belong to the state or and something. They farm a lot of them over there too. I actually lived there for a couple of years. They farm a lot of um, those stag and things like that. Yeah, they that. can sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they sell it mm-hmm. in stores and stuff. When it, yeah, when it comes to, to Europe, you know, and, and maybe more so like Western Europe, France, England specifically, you know, you're, you're also battling this really old culture where like hunting was for the royals or was for the upper class, the, the rich class. Like you, could, you couldn't hunt. You know, we're talking a few hundred years ago, but like it, it has this, it has this culture, or it has this history of like hunting wasn't for the average person, which is really kind of opposite to the United States, where in the United States, a lot of hunting, not all hunting, obviously there's a lot of hunting that takes wealth or is privileged, but like by and large, hunting has been a blue collar uh, activity, sport lifestyle livelihood however you want to say it and it's pretty pretty opposite to that in europe where you you just if you weren't part of that top 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 class you you weren't allowed to hunt that's crazy i guess that makes sense because you look at like uh i guess it was the uk you know the fancy fox hunts you know and they're all dressed up and you know what i mean you okay like you know to that point tell me a time in a movie or you know, uh, popular popular literature, whatever it may be, where you've seen depictions of the of common folk hunting in in the UK, in France, like it, it doesn't even exist. It's a good point. So you know that that's a that's a that's a definitely a difference. I would have to say though, um, with the the international folks that we dealt with, they may not have known uh, much about hunting, but they were interested. They found it very cool. They found it very interesting. They would consistently ask us about hunting just completely outside of the work that they were doing or the project that we were we were working on with them. So, you know, to their credit, like they were very inquisitive and very interested and it was it was pretty cool to kind of be able to uh, be an ambassador of some sort to these folks that wouldn't have probably otherwise come in contact with somebody who who was in the hunting world. Right. Let me ask you this. So we talked a little bit about the features. What are some of the other uh, the features in the app? So, you know, we kind of look at it like it's your it's your uh, it's your hundred uh, percent project management tool for mm. hunting. 
kind of put it into in a perspective that maybe other people w- would understand. Um, so it takes you from application season, all the due dates, um, allowing you to to monitor, get reminders, all your point tracking, all 50 states, uh, all big game animals plus turkey. Um, and then that rolls it into that period between your application and draws and the season. So when you're doing you know, planning, organizing your hunts, when you're building up your gear, when you're, uh, you know, practicing shooting, when you're getting in shape, um, and then rolls it right into hunting seasons when you're actually planning those hunts. And so, you know, a lot of what the, uh, what Hunt Wallet does is bring a lot of what we already do as hunters for planning and organizing into one purpose built tool that's designed exclusively for hunters and hunting spreadsheets are great but they weren't designed for hunting Mm -hmm. mass text messages mass text messages you know uh notepads whatever it is that you you use to plan and organize your hunts they work shit they've been working for decades but they're not always in your pocket but they don't have automated reminders to let you know when you're out on a run that today is the day to get your application in. Like that's happened cool. to D'Angelo. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I was out on a run, and this was when we were in beta. I was out on the run, and um, so how it's set up now, we based on the the dates that you put in, you get a push notification six days before the uh, due date. And 24 hours prior to the due Perfect. Um, so the six days before, of course, I was like, yeah, I got time. I'll, 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 I'll get to it. And then obviously those days, you know, passed. I was out I was out on the run, and um, my wa- I had my phone with me, and my watch went off, and it says uh, your application is due in 24 hours. Like I get chills um, thinking about it right now. Um, and you better believe after that I finished my run um, and got back to the house and went in and put the application in. That right there in and of itself, to me, is valuable. Because, yeah, I mean, definitely. I've missed application due dates before. Yeah. Just for that reason, like mm-hmm. you say, you know, maybe maybe you remind yourself a week before, and you're like, I got seven days, whatever. And then all of a sudden, seven days goes by pretty pretty damn quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's right there upon you. And we understand, as hunters, how important it is, especially out west, to get those applications in, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, speaking of doing applications, man, uh, real quick, what what do y'all think about uh, the OTC hunting here? And like, you think that's gonna come to an end? Should it come to an end? Like, what, what do y'all th- what do y'all think we need to do about uh about the surge of hunters that we have hunting out here? I hope that they keep at least some OTC available because I think it's important to give people the opportunity to get out into the field, get out into the woods, get out into nature. Look. We all know what the what the success rates are. We all know how they're trending. And I feel like we should still give people the opportunity to get out there. Even if it's low, we you know, even if it if it's gonna be a challenge. Like what we're trying to get people out into the woods. And like you said earlier, it's there is so much accomplished. There's so much enjoyed that is not involved with 
the actual taking of the animal, right? And w- so let's not deprive people of the opportunity to get out with their buddies or solo, you know, and connect with nature, connect with themselves, connect with those friends, build those bonds, have those memories. Um, I think it'd be a real shame if we didn't give folks here that opportunity to go out and do that. I mean, and you look at states like Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, um, you look at the price, the cost of those tags and how they've just increased and increased over the years, and you just wonder, at what point does it stop? Right. It's not like the majority of hunters are, um, you know, rolling in the dough. Right. Um, and just to Matt's point, like, it's there is something to be said to get out into the woods and connect with yourself and connect with the earth and be able to chase animals and with, with, your, with your kids, with your friends, with your family. Like, we just told you that all three of us – Got skunked in elk season. Right. Me, all four of us. All four of us. Now, would I have traded any one of those days mm. to be somewhere else doing something else? Hell Absolutely no. not. So to say like, oh, well, you know, the, the success rate is super low or, you know, what's the point in going out? It was like, well, I'll tell you endless points of going out even if you're unsuccessful. And I wouldn't have traded those days for anything. And it's not like we didn't have opportunity, right? right? I mean, right. We, we had opportunities, and we were in elk. So, um, you know, I get the argument, you know, we're on top of people and stuff like that, but just get out and have fun. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, I think where I would make an amendment there is I'm thinking leave OTC or residents. Mm-hmm. Residents have OTC, and then make it to where – the non-residents, they're in the draw. Now, we'll be friendly to the non-residents, right? Because I understand, you know, the money. I get mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? So, you know, there's going to still be a lot. Maybe even something where it's like, you know, what is OTC? Like 96 units, something like that, OTC is. What if it's 42 units that you could draw? At, let's go 35 units you can draw with no points, right? And that will be the bottom tier units as far as trophy class, so on and so forth, right? But I don't know. I think at some point something's got to be done because that number just keeps going up, right? And I understand that our elk herd, dwarfs, everybody else's, but I feel like at some point, too, it's like there needs to be some serious looking at herd numbers and, and so on and so forth because I know the big game harvest here, it's voluntary, correct? Don't quote me. I'm pretty sure it's voluntary, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much we really know about what's – you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not so <laughs> that's, why, that's what I'm saying. And like you said – Look at Wyoming. Look at the quality. And I'm not trying to boost, but look at the quality animals that's getting taken up there and, and the stories you hear about people saying they're not seeing that many people. And I'm not saying that there's not crowded trailheads, but mm-hmm. compared to what we're seeing out here, it sounds like they got it going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we go to South Dakota, it's we see us every day. We yeah. Don't, you don't run into Think about that. We'll see maybe somebody from Minnesota that comes down and that, but it's most of the time it's just us out there. And that's the thing, man. What can we do to make it to where, you know, it's not uh, the Orange Army or whatever some people call it, right, the pumpkin patch, because it's like that right now, man. And I'm not bitching, man. It, I, I love being able to get out and hunt, right? But, for instance, first rifle, my girlfriend had a tag. And we're out of first, we're out of first rifle, man. And, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we didn't – we did not kill an elk. And, uh, but man, we saw a lot of people out there, man. Uh, Orange but, Army. Man, like you get to a glass of point, and I ain't gonna lie, Kendall's a trooper, man. I put her through some 
some grueling stuff, man. We climbed up like we climbed up this mountain that was about a nut hair over two thousand foot of vert uh, in one point eight miles. So like just you know, and I took her up there. You get up there, and all of a sudden you start glassing. You're like, "There's no way there's anybody here." All of a sudden, there's an orange hat. There's an orange vest. You keep looking near them. Oh, there's four dudes sitting there. And then you look at the next ridge, and there's somebody climbing up that ridge, right? And God, dog, there's a lot of people. Uh, and again, I'm sure most Western states are like that because I get it. Why, if you're coming from Virginia, why would you go to Idaho and you've got to drive through Colorado and what is it, Utah, whatever the hell you drive through? But you know, because we're really the last stand as far as OTC, like come in the night before, go to Bass Pro or Walmart or whatever and get your tag. Like, I don't think anybody else does that now. Uh, I know Idaho is still technically OTC, but you still have to get on and you have to apply. And, it's, yeah, it's not like here. Mm-hmm. Maybe Washington. Is Washington OTC, I think? I'm, I'm not sure. sure. Maybe they got some opportunities. I know uh, – I know an app that's got all of those brochures in it. Hell yeah. Hey, and back to the app. Let's talk price point, man, because that's a lot. That's a lot of features, a lot of tools, uh, you know, that people are going to get, man. So what's what's the price point on this app? So you can do monthly for $2.99 or you can do annual for $29.99. It's simple. That's two months free if you do a year. Um, in the context of all the things that we pay for as hunters, as Western hunters, I guess, more specifically, um, you know, that's kind of a drop in the the bucket. And I know that's, you know, convenient for me to say in my position, but when you consider, you know, that these days, shit, that's 10, 10 gallons of gas. Right. Maybe. Right. If you're lucky at Costco. Mm -hmm. Um, But we, we feel like it's a good, fair price point. And at the end of the day, if it can help you, manage all of your applications, all your points, all your gear, and build a couple hunts and, and do so with your hunting buddies collaboratively, um, we feel you know, we feel good about coming out at that price. You know, another thing I saw, uh, don't you guys offer something where it's like your trial, you don't pay until your trial ends or something like that? Yeah, everybody, 30 days free. You don't even have to put a credit card in. So it's, it's no tricks. That's unique, no man. no baloney. Um, try it out. If you like it, then you opt in and, and put in your payment info. If you don't, you know, no harm, no foul. Yeah, I think one of the, like, what I love about the app the most is when you're doing a group hunt and you have the gear list for that hunt, you know, when you have three, four dudes and you've got, you know, a whole truckload full of shit and everybody has their truck and you pull up to somebody's house, inevitably you're, you know, pulling out multiple coolers, multiple jet boils, multiple blocks, you know, and trying to then, you know, p- play Tetris, trying to get it into one truck or forgetting something, you know, there's, it's, it, it makes it so everything, you know, you, you, uh, dot all the I's cross all the T's. You're not showing up without your sleeping bag. You're not, you know, D doesn't have to use his, uh, his, uh, emergency blanket anymore. <laughs> his bag of Lay's potato yeah, chips, his bag of Lay's <laughs> potato chips, little, uh, space blanket, uh, it just it eliminates the frustrations for something that's already extremely hard. Right. And, and you know, I think it's, it would be great, especially – I mean, it's great for no matter your skill level, but especially somebody that's coming out here from Rhode Island or wherever it's at. Like, why would you not do everything you can to make sure you got all your shit? Yep. Uh, I mean, for instance, I had a guy come here 
two guys come up, uh, a buddy of mine and and who's now a buddy of mine, but the guy he brought, I, I, he was a stranger to me, cool guy. Anyway, we go in elk hunting, and they, they're super green, right, no experience whatsoever, and uh, they're walking in, and he's his tent is like an actual like Walmart tent, like in like a satchel, right? And we're walking up this gnarly shit, and he's like got his pack on and holding this tent, like just walking <laughs> with it. I'm like, holy shit. But my point is he's got all this shit, and all of a sudden we get – I told him – we took a break, and I was like, all right, we're going to take two more breaks. It's only like 400 yards up straight up. I was like, it's only 400 more yards. Well, like the second or third to the last break, he's like, hold on. Dude, I left my sleeping bag in the truck. <laughs> I'm like, oh. you got to be kidding me. Left the sleeping bag in the truck. Uh, but, yeah, my point is, it's like, hey, you got that list. It's like, hey, do I have all this shit? You know what I mean? Because if, especially if you're spiking in, man, you don't want to get all the way back in there and forget something like a sleeping even a sleeping pad, man. Sleeping on, yeah. Even a sleeping pad would be rough. I mean, it's hard enough when everything goes right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, to the to the greatest extent you can, try to eliminate all all the 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 points of failure, right? And that, control and that, what and you that, can control, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not just hunt wallet. Like, obviously, that applies to the onyxes of the world. Obviously, that applies to how you work, you know, what kind of system you have as far as your, your apparel, whether it's camo, whether it's solids, whether it's your boots, whether it's your, how much you've, uh, how much you've been practicing, like how much, uh, time you've got out scouting, like you, you take care of those things you can, because as soon as you step foot in the woods, then everything's unpredictable. Then Mm. nothing goes right. Mm. Right. Like the old Mike Tyson quote, you know, (laughs) everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. There we go. Like, you know, so take care of the things that you can before you get to the point where you can't control shit. Mm-hmm. And so speaking to that um, within the app, within the hunt planning portion of the application, we got what's called tasks. So it's like the things you got to do prior to get out on the road or out into the field. So whether that's, you know, that can be as simple as changing the, the wiper blades on your truck to, you know, vacuuming out your car, checking that the tire pressure, changing the oil, calling CPW to get some intel on an area you're planning on hunting. So you can make a list of all the stuff that you – or honey-do list stuff. So, you know, mow the lawn, um, buy the wife some flowers. You can, like, create a list of the stuff that you need to do prior to getting out into the field. And you can also assign that to your buddies, and they get a push notification. You can assign due dates to those as well. So for me, what what the app has done is it's um, – I'm not really an organized person, but I'm creating an organization uh, application. But it's helped to, because it's a lot of clutter, it's helped to, like, put everything down in one place, and it gives me, like, peace of mind. Let me know that, hey, as long as I do this, 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 and I got take this, this, and this, um, then I've increased my odds of hopefully mm. being successful. Multiplying odds. Mm-hmm. I would say this tool using this last couple of seasons has single-handedly reduced the number of things that D'Angelo has left at his house by at least 80%. <laughs> 80, 85 Definitely not 100. Still working on it. Still working on it. <laughs> I, got a, uh, I got a situation, man, where I could have definitely used something while I was uh, hunting some Illinois private for Whitetail last year. And uh, my buddy dropped me off at this spot. It was a gate. And uh, I had to hang a whole new set. So I've got my harness on, I've got a bow saw, I've got my bow case, all this stuff to hang this new set. Well, I leave my bow case at the gate because I'm like, I'm going to go hang the set. It's going to take a little time, a little effort. Hang the set, and then I'll come out and get my bow because I had so much shit. Well, walk in, get the the set home, 
come back out to the gate, open my bow case, and I don't have my arrows. Oh. <laughs> so, so I, I don't man. know why you. I don't know why you look. <laughs> I, I make sure to lose my shit in the field. <laughs> so I'm looking in this case. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So. Literally, I was furious, man. I, I was very, very angry. And uh, but I was like, you know what? I'm in Illinois. Never really been here. Been through here. Played ball in Chicago. Blah blah blah. I was like, I'm gonna go sit in the stand. I was right on a marsh, so like there's a bunch of ducks and geese. I could hear them. I'm just gonna sit there and watch the ducks and geese. Hopefully, a giant doesn't come in and win me, and then I'm dumb. Anyway, watch the ducks and watch the geese. It was a cool night. And then burnt the morning hunt. Drove an hour and a half to an archery shop. Got some arrows made or whatever. But what happened? I was packing all my stuff and. Like, in between packing, I would take a break, and I'd shoot, you know, a dozen or two arrows. And the last dozen or two arrows I shot, I left the arrows in the target and just kept loading other shit. Didn't bring my target either. So, like, I got back, and it was my arrows were in the target, and there's snow on top of all of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was bad, man. I, I've never really felt that that low as far as from a hunt standpoint Especially went. Especially in Illinois. In Illinois, man. I opened that bow case, I'm like, no, 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 no. I picked my bow up and looked under it. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, well, wait till you're putting your packs down because you're crossing uh, a river and your buddy's like, yo, where's your quiver? Ooh. And you're like, yeah, whatever, dude, shut up. And you're like, no, I'm serious. And you're looking like, where the fuck is my quiver? <laughs> Gone. Yeah. A God, week, a week after your quiver falls off. In scrub oak and oak brush, and you can't find it. Yeah, but that is on you <laughs> for that bullshit ass <laughs> shortcut. <laughs> definitely not a shortcut. So, speaking of planning, man, y'all started planning for next year or what? What are y'all thinking for next year's big game? Yeah, absolutely started planning. Um, myself, so I've been putting in for points up in Wyoming, um, and I'm thinking I'm think I'm going to do a trip up there. Pull the general tag? Yeah. Yeah. General, general hunt up there. Um, and then trying to get my wife out to hunt. But if she doesn't come, then I'm with my boys. I actually talked to Jermaine. Um, was talk, I was walking him through the app last week, Jermaine Hodge. Oh, yeah, that's my dog. And um, he, I was talking to him. He's like, man, I'll take you out. He's like, when are you going to get out and, and cut it up? And hey, so, that dude's a predator, man. So, I mean, I may go out, not even hunt, just you know, hold the camera and just soak up knowledge, you know? Yeah, he's like that. And, again, he's – He's the best caller I've ever heard in person. Uh, I, I scratch that. He's probably the best caller I've ever heard. Um, he's good. He knows his shit. Yeah. Uh, he knows his shit. Mm-hmm. And then we'll probably I'll do some deer deer here. Um, I'm gonna pull a I'm gonna pull a deer tag for this unit. I'm not gonna say for this unit. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. say <laughs> name any numbers or. Uh, yeah. But it's some big deer. Lots of deer. I've heard. Yes. I've heard. <laughs> um, and then. Also going to um, look at doing South Dakota. Ooh, that South Dakota is super, uh, super attractive to me, man. Because uh, number one, it's, it's pretty damn cheap tag as far as deer tags go. Um, and the fact that, I, I mean, yeah, it's draw, but literally you just have to get in there and, and do it, right? Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You get in there and you just put in for it and, and, you, and you draw it. So that'd be pretty cool, man. Uh, you know, I thought about, I was thinking about my plans, man, and um, – I love shooting new shit, and uh, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine, and he's a big sheep hunter, and uh, he just got me all fired up about the sheep, and I'm like, damn, I got on go hunt. I'm like, I got pretty good odds for a U tag with a with, with a bow, mm-hmm. with uh with four points, but uh, 
Man, it's just something about a ram. Even if it's not a giant ram, like it just use. And the other day I was lion hunting, and on the way out I, I glassed up some some big horns and put them on IG and all that. And like I was looking at the use, and they just didn't fire me up. <laughs> they just didn't fire me up. So I'm gonna just keep waiting, man, for some years. Uh, cause they didn't fire me up, man. But rams fire everybody up. Man, <laughs> like it's something about it's something about uh, a sheep. And I heard they're pretty good eating too. Surprise! Go ahead, man. Let's say hypothetically, you grew up with a buddy. Let's say y'all met freshman year of high school, played sports together. Uh, let's just say you were in his wedding, he was in your wedding. Uh, you started a business together Oof. in the hunting world. Do you think you could get invited to go to South Dakota to hunt? <laughs> I think he was invited on a turkey hunt. He <laughs> and, he <laughs> went, and he went to San Diego or Napa. Napa to, yeah. Ooh. To answer your question, yeah. <laughs> that's a good, so. First of all, that's a, that is, that's a different story. <laughs> Talking deer hunting, <laughs> specifically. Um, yeah, for me, I, I think for uh, definitely – archery elk and uh hopefully get that deer tag and or get a deer tag again and and uh make up for this year with that tag i had to turn in right um we had a lot of fun hunting antelope two years ago d'angelo and i so i'd be interested in seeing if we could get back out uh for that uh one of those that was that was a blast you got a good antelope story or what fun but frustrating (laughs) archery (laughs) yeah yeah out on the plains Okay. I went down there. Uh, I was way down south. I'll talk about specifics when we get off of here, but I was down south. And uh, 2019 was my first hunting season being out here, and I was like, damn, these antelopes look pretty cool. So I went down there and uh, solo hunt. It was me and my uh, pop-up camper went down there. Uh, literally, there was no return date. I told my old lady, I was like, I don't know when I'm going to be back. Uh, it could be two days. It could be ten days. I don't know, but – you know, I was pretty fired up to get down there. So I went down there two days early. Uh, matter of fact, I'd been going down there. Every, so the rules here are, uh, you know, you can have your blind up 30 days before the, the start of the season date. So I was going down there in like from like July and June just running cameras. And then finally a month before, you know, I got my blinds up. So I was going down there once a week. And uh, the camera, the first camera, the cows had – and I le- learned my lesson. The cows had, like, I got in there, and they, like, turned the camera down, and it was, like, uh, uh, spit all over before they'd been licking on it. All the cameras, they're, like, licking the cameras and all that shit. They ruined it. Uh, another camera, it got bumped, and it was turned straight up by the cows. My point is I didn't have any on camera. So I'm hunting, hunting. Day one, I just literally sat the blind all day. Didn't see nothing. But the next day I get out there, and about 10, 11 o'clock, I start to see goats. I'm like, it's pretty cool. So I sit out there the rest of the day. And about 6, 7 o'clock, I'm sitting there in my compression shorts, shirt off, cold towel on my neck. <laughs> I got the Yeti cooler full of ice and water, and I've got a, like I said, the cold towel around my neck. And uh, I've got a battery power fan, battery power fan blowing on me. And, you know, out there on the in the desert, it's like you can't have much of windows open, right? Because mm-hmm. any movement, you're toast. So all my windows are closed, but a tiny little gap uh, in my front window facing that water tank. So I'm sitting there, lean back, all comfortable. Hot as hell. And all of a sudden, uh, I just see a rack pop up at like 18 yards. Just pop up, right? He slipped in from probably behind me. Never knew he came in and just kind of fed with his head down. 
And then he just pops up 18 yards. Nice buck. I'm like, holy shit. So I reached down and grabbed my bow. Luckily, I brought my uh, I brought a rug in there for the floor, make it quiet, you know, brought the carpet in there. Had my bow laying there, pick it up, draw below the window. I'm like, this is about to happen. So I'm fully drawn. I'm aiming down this thing at like 18 yards. I'm thinking, I'm about to kill this damn thing. I left the mesh up. Ugh. Left the mesh up. I'm shooting a rage. Shwack, hits that mesh. Arrow goes nuts. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. This is a good buck. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. So I'm like, damn. So, you know, kind of feeling a little bit dejected. You know, it's like, damn, like, was that my chance? You know, you know how it is on public land. It's like, was that it? So, uh, you know, I keep hunting, keep hunting. Day three goes by. Saw does, nothing. Day four goes by. I'm like, God, dog. Actually, the night of day four, I'm walking back to my camper. I go to step, the last step on the camper. Prairie Rattler. Middle of the night, I was walking by my phone light. I'm like, holy shit, right by my camper. And there's already, uh, so, you know, in both seasons, there's a tarantula migration in this particular area. So, like, there's tarantulas and shit. Like, it's insane. So, I'm getting in my camper. Fucking hunting in Australia. <laughs> no, 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 it's here. We'll talk about it. But, uh, so, <laughs> so I get my camper. I'm shaking out my sleeping bag because I've seen so many tarantulas. Like, it's disgusting. And uh, so, anyway, woke up the next day, nothing in the morning. And then about, again, 6, 7 o'clock, here he comes. First of all, his does came in. I'm like, I guarantee there's a butt behind these does. All of a sudden, here he comes. I'm like, that is a good buck. So I'm actually self-filming. I got my camera pointed to the right side of the tank, which is the way they've been coming. Sure enough, they're coming from the right side. When I'm drawing, that thing catches me. So it bolts to the left. I'm like, damn. Bolts to the left of the water tank. The does do too. Well, the does work their way back. I'm like, he's going to come back. And sure enough, he's like looking at me. You know, He don't know what the hell's going on. He saw something he didn't like, though. So he's like looking at the blind. I'm like, he's about to come back again. Sure enough, here he comes in towards the left, the left side of the tank. I let him get to like thirty-five yards. Whack, smoked him. It was, it was incredible. And uh, unfortunately, the camera was kind of zoomed on the right-hand side of the tank, so you couldn't hear, like, you couldn't see the, the shot. You hear the shot break, and then you see the camera start shaking because I dropped my bow, grabbed the camera, tried to get on it, and I'm shaking. I'm like, I fucking smoked it. I fucking smoked it. You can hear it on the camera, but you couldn't see anything. <laughs> but turns out, same buck. I'd hit that buck in the top of the neck. Yeah, he had a gash right in the top of his neck. Uh, same buck, though. He came out day two, hit him in the neck. Then he comes out again night five. And it was crazy. I actually – I was cutting him up 35-mile-an-hour wind down where I was at in the middle of the night, dust blowing everywhere. I got him laying on a tarp. I got the tag into the tarp, like, into the wind. I'm, like, cutting on him with one hand. Ended up losing my phone. Crazy story. Long story short, I ended up making a friend because, dude, uh, like, five days after I got back, my mom's like – Somebody's got your phone. Like, they just called me. I'm like, there's no way. Like, this got to be a scam. I called a dude. He's like, yeah, man, I was hunting. You know, I was at this gate. Sent me the pen. And I was like, that's exactly where I was at. And he's like, you want to meet up? I'm going to be coming through, Denver, coming through Denver tomorrow night, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this, there's no way this is going to happen. So I meet him at the gas station. Wouldn't even take no pay. I tried to pay him and everything. Brought my phone to me. We, yeah, we've been, yeah, we been hunting together since, man. Yeah. Hey, tell him I got a quiver. <laughs> and uh, I got a couple oh. other items if he finds those too. Some gloves, yeah. <laughs> but nah, I was blown away because I ain't gonna lie. I asked myself, I'm like, would I have done that? And like, I was just like, I don't know if I'd have went through that. I'll be honest with you. Uh, but I'll tell you this: after that happened, I will now though. Yeah. After seeing, you know what I mean? After the, after that happened to me, I will now though. But I asked myself that, like that night, I was like. Oh, if I would have did that, I don't think I would have, man. See that phone, be like, oh, tough beat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I would have. What I would have done, I would have grabbed it and probably put it on like the gate post yeah. or something. But mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't have called and all that. I ain't gonna lie to you, because it had to have been dead. He had to have like charged it and all that. Like, so I don't know, but it was a pretty cool deal. 
So it sounds like you did. You were mostly ground. Did you do any spot and stalk? None. None. Literally, I just straight blind hunting. It's miserable. I don't patience. know what. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, literally, you know, the outs, the ambient temperature is like 108 degrees. Yeah. Again, we'll talk about where I was at, but it's it was bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know, being in that blind, ain't no telling what the temperature was, and no no draft or wind and nothing coming through. So there was there was wind. Oh. Like sometimes it would be like 50 mile an hour, and all you hear is the zippers on the outside of the blind. <laughs> Hitting up, I mean, it was bad. Another crazy thing they have: there's a bug called a tarantula hawk. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Just just look them up when you get a chance. So it it looks like a giant uh, dirt dauber. So why they call it a tarantula hawk? They sting tarantulas and paralyze them, lay their eggs in them, and then when the babies hatch, they eat the spider. And so there's a. You ever heard of Coyote Peterson? He's like this crazy dude on YouTube, and he takes the stings of all these crazy insects and all this shit. Like, yeah, you got to look him up. He just gets, he stings himself and all this. But anyway, uh, he said the, the the uh, what's it called? The tarantula hawk was horrible. Like, if you watch the video, he hits the ground, his arm's, like, paralyzed for a little bit. Like, he, like, can't move his arm and shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, tarantula hawk. So it's supposed to be, like, the second worst sting in the insect world. <laughs> and I had no clue, and they were flying – my point is, they were flying all around my blind. I'm hitting it with my bare hand. Whack, whack. Had no clue. So I get to looking up stuff. I'm like, what are those things? <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, shit. It's almost better not knowing, right? It was, all, it was definitely better not knowing. Because then every time I heard, because they sound like a helicopter in the air. Okay. Like, I just hear, and I'm like, holy shit, that is one of those hawks. Yeah, man. That's one of those ones. Uh, life lessons, lessons learned. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Even the uh, the tarantula thing itself was pretty weird, man. I've seen a couple of tarantulas like at pet stores or whatever, but to see them, and and when I would see them would be early morning, late at night. You kind of see them, and they're quick because they'll just run in their hole. Hundreds or what? No, no, I didn't see them in that quantities, okay. but people do. People do see them in that those amount of quantities. Yeah, I know. But like you'll see them, and apparently. Uh, Apparently, when you see the hole, like a big tarantula hole with a web on it, like they're inside it, apparently. That's how you know they're inside it. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, every step, man, especially after seeing that. That was my first rattler in the wild, too. Uh, I was pretty I – don't, I don't do snakes. Uh, but I let him go about his way, but I, I don't do snakes, especially not rattlesnakes. And he was in that, like, S position, like standing up type thing because I have my phone. I'm looking at him. I'm like, do I shoot eight shots with this 10-millimeter trying to kill this thing? <laughs> That's uh that's the only bad part about that Rainbow Zend area. Yeah. You hunt it in the archery season. There's rattlesnakes. Ooh. That's probably about five inches away from stepping yeah. on that rattler. Chasing, oh, chasing really? Him. Yes. With his brother in law. And something made me look down and I caught my foot. I don't know how I caught my foot. It was just, I guess, athletic instincts coming back into play. But yeah. <laughs> went out after that, went, drove down the mountain, went to Cabela's and got some uh Snake gators. Yeah, that's that's what I was. So literally, my gear on that uh, antelope hunt was shorts, uh, snake chaps, and tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. That's what I would walk. My, and I already know people were like, uh, so the particular rules where I was hunting on this particular piece of public land, you could not camp farther than three foot off a road. So like my camper's literally like right off the road, right. So like people were probably driving by, and they, my water hole was like. 700 yards from my camper, they're probably like, oh, he ain't going to kill shit. He's got his camper right there. That thing died running towards my camper. <laughs> but uh, it was just right out there. And there's like, it's like Chola Cactus Country. Like it's, after I saw that Rattler, it changed everything. I was looking at every step I took, man, because I, I don't do snakes at all. No, That's like, uh, what's his name that we met up in, in Bailey? The dude who was telling us the last time, the last elk he killed was like 400 yards 
off the road. He was in some jeans. <laughs> what, 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 what's his name, bro? His IG handle is something funny. I wish I could remember mm-hmm. what it was, but he Buck was, Elkman. Yep. Buck Elkman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a cool dude, a wild dude though. He's, he's a wild he's, man. He's good buddies with the Pack 'em Out guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like shout out to Pack 'em Out, man. I like them boys, man. Uh, you know, so we've got to talk about camo a second ago. Imagine like a hundred years ago what dudes look like in the woods. I mean, you literally got on some I guess they had jeans back then, some jeans, a flannel, and we're worried about having, like, solid. Some people don't believe in solids, which blows my mind. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I can't imagine seeing Granddaddy Bob out there, like, waiting on a whitetail, you know what I'm saying, his jeans or his suit, whatever. Because, you know, over in, like, London and stuff, they wear, like, what is it? What do they call those things? Uh, tweeds? Yeah, they, they call them tweeds. They wear their tweeds, which is like a suit. That mm-hmm. shit is crazy. Like the shooting jackets? Yeah. Oh, wool. But the folks back then, I mean, wearing the jeans and the Carhartts and the, the flannel and stuff, not wearing the technical gear, they were killing everything. Right. right. Everything. Right. So you so you already told me next year you're already planning. So uh, any new species for next year or just same old, same old? No, just well, add antelope in there. I forgot about antelope. But, um, well, South Dakota would be whitetail. It would be my first time hunting whitetail. Oh, really? No. Take that back. I hunted whitetail in Missouri. Yeah. yeah. That's a good state. Mm-hmm. That's a good state to be on uh on Whitetail. Well look, fellas, I got a I got a fine question for y'all, man. This is a good one. We'll end it with this. So I did this last episode and it I got some some good uh feedback about it. So, D'Angelo, you got one species for the rest of your life in one place. You can't hunt anywhere else but this one place and this one species. Yeah. It's going to have to be, for me, it's going to have to be elk. Mm. And Shit, I was about to say Chipotle check and burrito. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. That was a great question. Yeah. It'll be elk. And then um, I have to say Wyoming. Elk and Wyoming. That's not a bad answer. That's not a bad answer. Matt, you got one species, one time, anywhere, paid for, just a one time, so just overall dream hunt. Oh, yeah, that's easy. <clears throat> Axis deer, Maui. Ooh. In this, in this dream hunt, I'm for sure staying at the Four Seasons. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> We're for sure getting out, getting that hunt, getting that kill, going back. Probably having some unreal $85 nachos by the pool. <laughs> Definitely doing with my buddies for sure. That's the hunt. Maui actions with a bow or what? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, with a bow. Steve, one species for life, one place. I think I'd go with elk. It'd be in a limited unit in Colorado. I it's if if another if any other species could bugle. Mm. And you could feel that. Like, mm. That's that's the thing people don't realize. I like, know. When you're out in the field and you have a bull at 10 yards, <laughs> scream in your face, like what that does to you. Mm. <laughs> that's that's not a, that's not like a, you know, that the only feeling I could say is like going back to football. Right. Like when you come out into a stadium and yeah. everybody's amped and yeah. you, you go numb, like yeah. feeling it. 
I, I think that'd be that'd be me. That'd be what I'd do. And you know what? Uh, first of all, I agree 100% with that. Uh, I think anybody that's ever hunted turkeys and enjoyed it would absolutely be blown away by this. Because you think, if you think a gobble's cool, and it is cool. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But, man, an elk bugling, I think it's a whole different level, man. If you could have an experience where you had, like, the bugling of elk in the and the majesty of that animal and knowing – if you were going to kill what you got from that animal, but you could have the action of antelope. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what could possibly be better than something so like that. Yeah. Cause that, that antelope hunt was, if nothing else was nonstop fun, like just pure fun, like just over and over and over again. And whether you're good or not good, you can see them. You think you're, you know, you're, we're all dumb enough to think we got a chance at every single one. You know what I mean? So that that was a blast. Antelope is cool. You know, another thing, man, people, I hear people say they don't like how antelope eats, man. And that blows me away. Uh-huh. That blows False. me away. False. That, whatever you made off of that antelope you got in Wyoming, mm-hmm. that was, I mean, that's up there top, you know, three, four game meats I've ever had. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's where people, especially if you shoot it in in August in, in archery, I think some people ride around with it in the back of their truck yeah. with the hide on it, you know, showing people and all that. I mean, I think it's all in the meat preparation because I know that I've never had bad antelope. Um, I mean, I shot one in muzzleloader this year, and we're about – it's about gone. Uh, just literally did ground and sausage. That's what I made with it. And the sausage, I had to send you this recipe, man. It's like wow. 10 different spices, and, mm-hmm. and you put like – Twenty percent pork fat in it or something like that is it is different. Um, mm-hmm. It's good, but yeah, man, I don't I don't understand that. I think it, it's in the the meat preparation. They actually say mountain lion's good eating too, man. I've got a <laughs> I've got a mountain lion tag, so we'll see. When we were in college, before I got D'Lo into hunting, we came back from a morning workout. And we had some mountain lion in the freezer, so I used to get like all that, you know. They didn't know what it was, but I'd make breakfast and stuff. Cooked up some mountain lion for him. <laughs> Had him eat it all. That's pretty damn Man, cool. This is good. What is this? Rancid farts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't tried it yet. I'm fired up to try it. This is the first time having a tag. Uh, I think it's super. You know, you know, hound hunting gets a bad rap, man. But uh, you know, the more I look into it, and the more I research it, I think it's a good thing, man. Because you can be a lot more selective with what you kill. Number number two, good luck trying to bump into a mountain lion without the dogs, right? Like, good luck with that. Uh, but you know, having those hounds, you get under the tree, you get to look at that cat. It's like, oh, it's a female, which I'm pretty sure it's legal to shoot, and you know, you can shoot it. But it's like, you know, that's a female, I don't want it, right? Or oh, it's a tom, it's a young tom, right? My point is, you can be super selective with, with what you kill. And I know uh, the hound guys I know, man, they shoot toms. And again, I'm not hating on anybody that shoots whatever they want. You know what I mean? But uh, a lot of the hound guys I know, uh, they're all about the the training of the dogs. They're all about the conservation of the cats. And, uh, you know, they shoot toms, which is what I'm looking for, man. I want a big old cat. I think that's mm-hmm. a badass-looking animal, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting thing that you touched on, which is, like, this concept within the hunting world where there's a lot of folks who who have this belief that, like, whatever hunting they do is the hunting that everyone should do. <sighs> or, like, this hunting isn't real hunting or that hunting's not real hunting. And this is coming from somebody who has never – hunted out of state who has never hunted private 
um, like, I think all hunting's great hunting. Within legal, within fair chase, within the rules, like for someone to be like, oh, you know, that's not really hunting. Like that shit, it one boggles my mind, and two is just so frustrating. It's like, why, why are we attacking each other? Like, hunting. If you get out there and you want to hunt and you you like hunting a certain way, like get after it. Go get after it and tell me the stories after. Mm-hmm. That's uh. So for me, and to your point, uh. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, why don't you hunt private land, this and that, blah, blah, blah. I just love, like, going out into a wild place, which I'm not saying you can't find wild places on private, but, you know, going down a National Forest Service road, driving down an old, crusty, bumpy road for an hour and a half, and then going in for a couple miles, like, and and living, you know what I mean, with camp on your back, competing with everybody else that's out there. Uh, Because when I look at the hunt, like, I don't know if I gotta if I gotta put a number on it. Like, what what's the most important part about the hunt? Uh, shit, getting the meat. Uh, the adventure. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's probably that's probably that right there. Like shooting big shit's cool. Don't get me wrong. I want to shoot the biggest thing that I can find. Uh, but yeah, like getting the meat because I do love eating organic wild meat. I know where it came from, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, and then the adventure of it, man. Uh, because. That makes it easier for me to uh, to do the killing, I think, man. Now, don't get me wrong. Somebody calls me up and says, hey, I got this landowner tag for you. I'm going to feel perfectly fine <laughs> shooting that elk. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, when you put that much effort into it, you know, to go hunt on public land and you kill something, man, you know, there's guys out there that are like, you know, they see a big elk and they find out it's got killed by a rifle and they're like, oh, it got killed by a rifle. Like, it doesn't count. And it's like – Dude, so what? Like, what do you mean? Like, this thing, number one, was killed on public land. That's, in, like, just to kill anything on public land. I mean, come on, man. Uh, especially here because, and again, I haven't hunted out of state for elk. Uh, but I know what I see here, archery, elk hunting here, OTC, I don't know. First rifle's pretty bad. And I know first rifle's limited, but maybe it's because you can see them, right? You know, in archery, everybody's in camo. You can't see them. Uh, but, man, first rifle... God, dog, there was so many people out there. Um, I hunted. I was in the woods every season but second rifle, and uh, fourth rifle was better. I, I still had guys move in on me, super lazy dudes. They look up the hill and see me, and they, like, keep looking at my base, and I'm like, you got to be shitting me. Uh, so then I'm pretty mad at this point. Uh, so I'm sitting there, and the next time they look up, I'm flipping them the double bird. Uh, but I had to leave and remove myself from from that situation because there was nobody there to talk me out of doing something dumb. Uh, but they were completely, and again, got it, got every right to be there. Right. It's public land, but like there, there should be, I guess the words an etiquette, like an unspoken set of rules where it's like, if you come up on somebody, you do not stop a hundred yards away and look into the basin. Like it's, it should be something that I feel like everybody should understand. Mm-hmm. Sure. Totally agree. This, this area that we hunt, it's probably like, you could probably see for two miles, like pretty far out there before you start getting the thick scrub oak. And we'll do that, like, we'll get out there super early, get all the way back. And then we see the, you know, see a truck pull up, four little headlamps get out, you know, look at them be like, all right, hit your headlamp. Let me, let's show them how far back we are in here. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Right. And that's, that's about all you can do, you know, in the mornings is, is try and shine people. And even then, sometimes that might not work, no. you know what I mean? But I'll say this, I've had a lot less uh, run-ins, bad run-ins in the big game woods than the uh, the duck marsh, man. I've had some 
I've had some close calls on the Duck Marsh, man. Uh, unfortunately, they've been with my old lady's been there. It's been not so good. But some people just ain't got no respect, man. Uh, I had a dude. I was hunting down south of here. We'll, we'll talk about specifics later. But down south of here, and uh, so we get into a spot. Got we get to the end of the the pool of water. So literally, there's not. It's like if you don't get your spot on this water, you can't really hunt. You know what I mean? Like it's like the water's here to hunt, and then once it's full, you turn around. So we get the first spot. We're the first ones in there. And uh, all of a sudden, crunch, 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 here comes more headlamps. There's like five of them. I'm like, damn. And they're so close. I can hear their conversations. You know what I mean? I'm like, holy shit. So I'm getting mad. I'm already cussing. And Kendall's, Joshua, please. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, they're ADRs. Like, they're ADRs. This is not right. So anyway, uh, we get the first crack of the birds. They come in from right to left. Those guys are on our left. And uh, birds come in. They do it dirty. It was perfect. And they come in at like 20 yards, close as hell. And we just miss all six shots. Do, 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 do. Missed them all. Happens. I'm all mad. But then I hear those dudes down there. Oh, those guys don't know what the hell they're doing. They were 50 yards away. What the hell kind of bullshit is that? They were about to come in. So I came uh, glued, man. I started, I said a lot of uh, expletives and I was yelling at him and stuff. And Kendall calmed me down. But anyway, we go to leave. I walked to Levy to walk out. And I looked them all in their eyes and didn't say a word. Just looked at them all. They didn't say a word. And I just shook my head and kept walking. But I just, I don't know, man. Like, why would you say, you know what I mean? It's like, First of all, how could you tell through the reeds how far? You don't even know exactly where I'm at. Like, you can't even see where I'm at from where they are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But all I hear is, oh, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Like, just fucking. And I'm like, yeah, so lost my temper there. But, yeah, my point being is I've actually made buddies in the big game woods, man. You know what I mean? Meeting people. Uh, but in the duck in the duck, uh, the duck side of things, I don't know. It hadn't been like that. <laughs> I'd have to say everybody I've encountered big game hunting has been a great conversation um nice people most of the time came they were willing to offer up a little bit of what they saw what they encountered it's just shit that was valuable you know and we're in the same area so you know I, my experience has been been real positive in that respect mm -hmm. so what's yours what's your uh the species the one species that you would and and where Oh, uh, yeah. If it was fully paid for, just one time, one species, I'm doing, like, uh, Markour in Afghanistan or something. Okay. Or, like, some, like, Ibex in Tajikistan or okay. some crazy, mm -hmm. something that I would never pay $150,000, $200,000 to go do. Uh, like a flex species, honestly, yeah. to flex on. Lilia, you see it? Yeah. <laughs> what else could it be? Uh, Markour, uh my buddy went to Spain and shot, I think it's called Visite Ibex or something like that. It's an Ibex species. Y'all got to look them up. It's a cool-ass animal. Um, that would be cool. But I, I would do some kind of like cra something crazy, something wild. Maybe even, what's it? I don't know. I haven't got the Africa itch yet to go over there and do that yet. Um, I would do something crazy. Because, you know, most things like in Alaska, that's pretty doable. Like, I mean, it's. Yeah, it's gonna cost you some money, but it ain't no hundred grand. You know what I mean? It ain't no fifty grand. Um, even like DIY stuff, going there hunting the uh, the Hall Road. Uh, I mean, that's super doable, man, for anybody. Um, yeah, is there a lot of logistics involved? Yeah, if you're gonna drive there, it's gonna take a long time. Yeah, but like if that's something you want to do, that it seems pretty doable. Uh, so I'd like to get. I don't know if y'all got the itch yet, but I got the Alaska itch bad already. Definitely. Yeah. Sounds cold. <laughs> yeah, it sounds cold as hell. Big country though, just beautiful. I know. I was talking. I had a, like I said, I had a uh, an interview with a guy that's going to be on here soon. He's an Alaskan guide, 
and he's got me sold on it, man. Just the lifestyle out there, the the wildlife, and he he, he dove into the haul road hunt and and kind of the logistics of that and the rules of that, and it is super doable, man. Uh, so definitely doing Alaska in the future, but man, I appreciate y'all uh, y'all's time driving up the mountain, man, coming and talking hunt wallet. Uh, I'm gonna get this thing, man, because y'all got me sold on, and I know that because uh, I think for not only the DIY guy, even if you're a private land guy, having the list, having the tasks, all that. I mean, I think there's something in Hunt Wallet for for every hunter, man. Uh, I really do. I ain't I ain't saying that because y'all just sitting here. I think it's legit. Absolutely appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate you having that. us on. Um, one thing I'll say before we hop off that uh, Josh really is retired to hunt. I'll probably hit him up three t- a few times trying to nail down a date to get on to get on the. Uh, you know, chop it up on the podcast, and I kid you not, every time I hit him up, oh, I'm in a goose pit. Um, third, third season deer hunt. Like, man, he is really retired to hunt. But, no, it's, it's been a blast. I'm glad we got a chance to connect and chop it up. We have to do it again. Yeah, Hell but, yeah. Yeah, and then the motherfucker goes and fishes, too. <laughs> oh, you damn right. Oh, uh, real quick, man. Let, ain't even hunting. Oh, I got let, – let me leave you with this one, man. Let me tell you about my spirit fit. Did I tell you – I hadn't went yet when I – I think I was telling y'all I was about to go. You were about to go. When so – Man, that shit was insane. Uh, so we leave from Isla Mirada, shoot across. It was like 120 miles by boat, something like that, to get to Bimini. And uh, we're 40 miles offshore. The first night, we get there, and uh, we kind of go to the cabin, get all our stuff unloaded, and we go do some deep dropping. We're catching yellow eye, uh, snapper, and queen snapper, like 1,200 feet deep on uh, electric equipment. So literally, it's like a video game. Like, you're literally just hitting <laughs> buttons, reeling these things up. So we bring up some of those, which are damn good eating. Hey, that shit's dope. When they when you get them from so low and you bring them up so fast that their eyeballs are protruding out of their face. It's cool, man. That's just And like when you touch them and feel how cold they are from mm-hmm. being that deep. And not to mention the seven pound weights, like the giant concrete weights we were using. Uh but anyway, we pull up a bunch of fish and then we pull up I told my buddy I was bringing my uh my tin weight because I want a bonefish. And uh so he's like, All right, I got a good spot nearby. We can't drive the boat up very far, so he's got a 36-foot yellowfin, trip 350's big boat. My point is, is he can't get shallow in it. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm going to have to anchor up, and y'all are going to have to walk the water to get to And I'm I'm not a shark guy. Don't do sharks. No. I am <laughs> scared of sharks. So, man, so I'm like. Preposterous fear, by the way. <laughs> so I told my buddy. Fear. I told my buddy. I was like, so you're telling me we're going to walk to shore? He's like, yeah, it's about 100 yards. I'm like, God, dog. So jump out, and it's like. Belly deep. And I'm like, ooh, and I'm holding my flyer out above the water, and I'm holding my uh, tackle box, and I'm just looking around. I'm like, I know a big bull is going to just come swimming by about halfway to the beach. So every step I take, my heart is beating. Finally get there. We get to the other side of the island. It was all windblown, so not good conditions to try to bonefish, fly fish for bonefish. So on the way back, you know, I told you we had caught those fish. I see my buddy filleting fish, throwing them in the water. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Like, I got to walk through this water to get to the boat. I'm like – this is not happening right now. He's like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm like, all right. So we start to walk to her. Yeah, literally it was me and two buddies. My other buddy was on the boat. I'm walking back, same way, holding the fly pole above my head, and my heart's beating even harder. Get to the ladder, throw my stuff in there, climb up. I was scared as hell. He's laughing. Get up to the front. He points down. He's still cutting the fish up, and he points down. And on those carcasses, there's like three nurse sharks and like two giant stingrays. And literally I just didn't see them because they were at the front of the boat. And I climbed on the back. So they were just right there, a couple feet away. <laughs> so climb on the boat, and uh, I, see, I see those sharks. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Anyway, next day, so that's in my mind. The next day's 
go time for spear fishing. Middle of the day, we're going spear fishing. So all I can think about is seeing those sharks, how comfortable they were swimming by the boat. Like it was, that's all that was on my mind. So I jump in the water. My buddies were already in the water. And I'm glad I went with them because I was almost, I was 50% out. I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm sitting on the, the gunnel looking down. I see a barracuda. I'm like, God, dog. I don't even want to get, I've never swam in the ocean. Uh, so anyway, I'm like, damn, do I do this? And my buddy Linder, we're drifting away from him. So he like cups his mouth. He's like, walk, it's water. Don't be a bitch. So I'm like, damn, he's right. So I'm like, all right. So I told Coke, put it in reverse because we're drifting away. Puts in reverse. I jump in. And that was the scariest part was going from me to where my buddies were, like 20 yards away by myself. <laughs> so I'm kicking. I'm kicking against the current. Just kicking. I'm looking around. There's a big trigger fish below me. I'm like, holy shit. So I'm kicking. I get over there. I hand him my uh, my GoPro that's on like the uh, the stake or whatever, the handheld mount or whatever. Hand him the GoPro. On the way there, he's like pointing down. I'm like, I see it. So I swim up to him. I hand it to him. And I take off. My thought process was the quicker I shoot this fish, quicker I get out the water. <laughs> so I dove down. And you can see on the video, I got to send it to y'all. My buddy was late because he had no clue I was going to make a drop on this fish. Like as soon as he showed me, I just took off, swim down there. And you can't use guns there. You got to use like primitive equipment. So it's a spear, carbon fiber spear with a piece of surgical tubing. You wrap your thumb around the, the surgical tubing and then you reach up the spear. So you swim to the fish and you just let, let it go and it shoots out. So I swim down. It was like 12 feet. Keep in mind, I trained, and I had like a 50-second bottom time in the pool, which is decent for a first-timer. When you get it living and breathing, and there's jellyfish around and all that, everything's around. By the time I got to the bottom, I, I was ready to get back to the top. So I get down there and see that fish, whack, spear them, swim up to the top. You hold them out of the water so they stop thrashing and bring the sharks in. You know, all the boys are going crazy. My buddy that was 10 in the boat, he's like, dude, I went to the back of the boat to get a beer. Walk back to the front, and I see your fins sky high. He's like, I did not think you were about to go yet. I was like, bro, I was just trying to shoot this fish and get out of here. But we ended up with some hogs. Uh, we did some yellow tailing, which is cool. You know, you chum them up, and those things get right behind a boat in a huge swarm, and you just throw jigs at them. It is Damn. fun fishing. Uh, I have to show you some pictures, but hogs, lobsters. Lobster was open. Brought back some lobsters. Uh it was an incredible time, man. Now, am I is my fear of the ocean cured? Absolutely not. Uh, am I a little more comfortable with it? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Let me summarize this for you. Mm -hmm. You talked about rattlers, tarantulas, moose, mm -hmm. bears. You talked about hiking miles in. You talked about four season in a shitload of snow. Woo. And your fucking problem is 85 degree water. That's in you the hit it right on the head. In the Bahamas. You hit it right on the head. 85. 12 foot deep water. <laughs> 40 <laughs> miles off though now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> hey, I was I was humble, man, because I sat on the gunwale of that boat and I looked into that water and it's like it's just water like or the what are the odds of a shark attack, right? Not very good. But it was just like, I think it was just the thought of seeing one while I was in the water that I was like, God, dog, man, I don't even want to see one of those things. Because we were getting sharked a lot, uh, deep dropping as well, man. You'd be on the way up. So, literally, when you get a bite, you, like, hold both these buttons, and it starts to reel itself in, and there's a drag and all that. And we were getting pounded by the sharks on even the electric equipment. Uh, so, just seeing them get brought up to the top, big old silkies, you know, seven, eight foot, big old sharks. I was like, God, dog, but... It was a great experience. Uh, will I do it again? Yeah, hopefully next year. Uh, hopefully next year. But uh, I definitely would recommend it to anybody that's uh, – pro it'd probably take a – I don't know. Even if you haven't fished, uh, you could do it. But 
yeah, if you're like a big time fisherman, it is cool like to be in that water and see multiple species and be swimming with them and like experience how fearless they are of you. Like it's 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 a cool feeling. And the only reason I did it because I was like I love conquering shit, and I was like this is literally hunting underwater. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be super cool to uh, to go experience it. Just gotta get that fish wallet going. Yeah, ooh, <laughs> you should have said that. You should have trademarked that first. <laughs> But, guys, again, I appreciate it, man. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, we got to do this again. We got to get in the woods sometime, man. Go chase something. We got some time for ducks. We get out and do that. No doubt. Got to do that. No doubt. I've been on an uh, upland kick. Hell, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a bet. Well, guys, again, y'all go check out Hunt Wallet. It really is a legit app for all things organizing, all things DIY, all things private land. Listen, it's got everything. Go check it out. Thank you, boys, for coming in, and thank you guys for listening. It's Retired to Hunt. Appreciate y'all. Next week, got another banger coming at you.